1: Good afternoon, and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo.
2: Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, a new internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of The Wellness Community, an international nonprofit organization dedicated to providing support, education, and hope to people with cancer and their loved ones at over a 100 locations worldwide and online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. Before we begin today's topic, let's move to a segment we call Cancer in the News, which highlights the latest cancer headlines.
3: I'm Bill Schaefer, and this is today's Cancer in the News. Women age 40 or older are encouraged to get mammograms every year or two in order to reduce their risk of death from breast cancer, yet many are still avoiding the screening. A new report recently revealed that mammography rates appear to be stabilizing or slightly declining after increasing for more than a decade. In 2005, 66.5% of women age 40 and older reported having a mammogram in the past two years versus 70.1% in the year 2000. While experts cannot pinpoint the exact reason for the plateau, they have developed several theories for the potential cause. Some believe that a 2002 study that tied hormone replacement therapy to an increased risk of breast cancer and heart disease is to blame. When women stop seeing their doctors to treat menopausal symptoms, they may have also stopped going for mammograms. Another possible cause is the current nationwide shortage of mammography technicians and qualified radiologists, in part due to lower reimbursement rates for the procedure. If a woman calls to make an appointment for a mammogram and has to wait a month or more, she may lose her motivation or opt out when the date finally rolls around. Insurance copays may be another reason. Even low copay amounts for mammograms can lead to a sharp decrease in breast cancer screening rates. In a review of more than three hundred and sixty six thousand women between the ages of sixty five and sixty nine who were in Medicare managed care plans, researchers found that biennial breast cancer screening rates were eight percent to eleven percent lower in cost sharing plans. Still another factor that might hold women back from getting a mammogram is the growing availability of genetic tests, one of which can tell whether or not a woman carries specific gene mutations associated with many cases of hereditary breast cancer. The concern is that if a woman receives negative test results without proper counseling, she might assume that she does not need to have regular mammograms anymore. But of the more than 192,000 American women who learn that they have breast cancer every year, only 5 to 10 percent of them have a hereditary form of the disease. And finally then, there is a common reason that mammograms simply hurt and women prefer not to endure the discomfort. Experts say that if women are avoiding mammograms for any reason, there are certain things that they can do to make their experience more comfortable, such as asking for recommendations from friends to find out where they have had good mammography experiences, or bringing along a friend which can make the appointment less stressful. Women can also seek out a center that uses digital mammography, which can cut down on the weight for results and lessen the likelihood that the patient will have to come back to have more pictures taken. If pain is a primary concern, women can ask if the center provides mammopads, soft, warm foam pads that attach to the compression plates, and request a technician who is particularly good at dealing with nervous patients. Some centers even allow women to control the rate of compression themselves, which can take some of the anticipatory anxiety out of the screening. Perhaps, however, the most important recommendation is for women to maintain perspective and remember that five minutes of discomfort is worth a lifetime of not having breast cancer. I'm Bill Schaefer, and that's today's Cancer in the News.
2: As many of us know, October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. If you've recently gone shopping at the grocery store or have gone to the mall or you've turned on your TV, you've seen pink ribbons everywhere, reminding us of the millions of breast cancer survivors living in the U.S. today. In fact, one woman is diagnosed with breast cancer every three minutes, which means over the course of this show, 20 women's lives will have changed dramatically. But the good news is that breast cancer can be very curable. If it is detected at an early stage, the five-year survival rate is greater than 90%. Today, we're talking to three women who have inspiring stories to share. They come from different walks of life but have two very special things in common. They are all breast cancer survivors, and they all turn to the wellness community for emotional support. First, we're joined by Tonya Hines. Tonya is a recent survivor and a participant at our wellness community of Greater Boston. Welcome, Tonya.
4: Thank you for having me.
2: Uh, next, we have Mel Majoros. Mel is also a cancer survivor and became a wellness community online support group participant uh, when she was diagnosed. She is also the producer of the Vic McCarty Radio Show, which is broadcast in Petoskey, Michigan. Thanks for being here, Mel. Thank you, Ken. And last but certainly not least, we have Maria Padilla. Maria is a breast cancer survivor and a participant at our wellness community of, the Sa- of San Francisco East Bay. Welcome, Maria. Thank you so much, Kim. So I want to thank the three of you for being with us today. We've got a lot to uh, talk about, so I just I just want to jump right in. Um, I want to go back to the day that each of you received your breast cancer diagnosis, and I'd like for you to tell me a little bit about sort of what happened, uh, you know, kind of what that was like for you and and how you really coped at that at that point of diagnosis. Um, Tonya, can I start with you?
4: Sure. Um, I got my diagnosed um, October the fourth, two thousand and seven. I went in for a mammogram, Mm -hmm. and I was turning 41, and my doctor had already given me the information when I had turned 40, but I procrastinated because, you know, you're so in in, in our African-American community, you hear about, you know, you have to have a lump, you have to have tumors, and I never had a lump, so I didn't feel I need to worry about anything. So I finally went in and um, had the mammogram. Didn't think anything of it because, mind you, I don't have a lump. And they sent me a letter in the mail stating that I needed to come back because there was some shadow over my right breast. Mm. I went back in, and they took a lot of pictures of my right breast. And then she said to me, well, the doctor needs to talk to you. So after she said that to me, I was like, oh, my goodness, Mm. I don't think this is going to be good news. So he came in the room, and he told me that um, there was some shadow over my right breast, that he has suspicions that I might have. Breast cancer, and I looked at him. He looked at me, and I'm like, "Who is he talking to? Because he's not talking to me." You know, <laughs> and you know, we we kept looking at each other, and right. I said, "So, what, what are you trying to say to me? Are you trying to tell me that uh, I have breast cancer?" And he said, "Well, there's a possibility that mm-hmm. you might have breast cancer." And I just automatically, I cried. I mm-hmm. seen my funeral. I, I seen all everyone at my funeral. Mm-hmm. and He was like, "Wait a minute, just stop, okay?" And did you so, think
2: it I, couldn't have been you because you were so young or because you didn't have any symptoms, or, or why, did you, why did you think that it couldn't be you?
4: I didn't think it could be me because I didn't have any symptoms. Um, I didn't have a lump because that's what they tell you you should look out for. That's right. they, they tell you that's what you should feel when you do a breast exam. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that, you know, so I didn't think that I needed to worry about that, and it doesn't run in my family.
2: So you didn't have anybody with
4: breast cancer in your family no, either? breast cancer does not run in my family. I'm the first one. Mm-hmm. I'm the first person in my family to be diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. Devastating.
2: Wow. So it really just hit you like a ton of bricks.
4: Yes, it did. It did. Because I have two young, I have, I have a son that just turned 17 Sunday, mm-hmm. and then I my youngest son was 10 at that time. Wow. And I'm like saying, you know, what's going to happen to them? You know, I didn't know if what kind of cancer I had, if it had spread throughout my body. Yeah. I didn't have no idea what, what was going on, but it, it was all like a dream.
2: Yeah. Yeah, just surreal. Like you couldn't even you couldn't even think about the fact this happened to me.
4: <laughs> Absolutely not.
2: A bad dream. <laughs> Mel, yeah. Mel, will you take us back to that moment when you were diagnosed? Uh, yes. I actually found a
5: lump myself in the beginning of September of last year. And um, I didn't have a doctor at the time. And I I work out a lot because I uh, play hockey in the wintertime. And mm-hmm. uh, my trainer suggested I go to this doctor that uh, was very well respected and that I like. And I showed her the lump. And then I went to... Uh, place to get the needle biopsy and all that kind of thing. And um I was driving back from work and that it was uh like a, I think it was Tuesday and I called the nurse and I said, "Well, uh, do you have the results of my biopsy?" And she goes, "No, not yet." And then 2 minutes later the doctor called. She's like, oh, uh so how soon can you get here?" And mm-hmm. I can't really say what what exact thought went through my mind. This is uh you know, the FCC might be upset. I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> um and I and I drove there and yeah, uh, You know, I was just like, I was just so upset. I mean, my I literally live like two minutes away from my doctor's office, but I just wanted to get, you know, the whole thing over with. So I didn't wake up my boyfriend or anything. And she's like, well, can you get him on the phone? Can you get him on the phone? I was just like, just tell me. And she's like, you've got breast cancer. And then she explains what kind it was. And all I heard was like, you know, when the Peanuts character adults talk, it was just like wah, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, staging, wah, 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 and I was like, and, uh, Actually, the doctor who did the biopsy on me told me that he was doing it for twenty years, and he's only had six people surprise him by the diagnosis, and I was one of
2: them. And I was like, "Great." And wh- why? Why were? Why was he surprised?
5: He he didn't think it was cancer at all. He didn't say why, but I mean, at that mm-hmm. point,
2: I can you? Would you mind telling me how old you were when you
5: were diagnosed? Uh, thirty-seven.
2: So both of you, so young. And were you? Yeah. It, were you by? Were you by yourself when the doctor told you the news as well, Tonya?
4: I was by myself, and I was in a three-year relationship with someone, and he left. He said it was too much for him. For him to oh, handle. So I, I, yeah, I dealt with that all by myself. I mean, I, my supervisor came to one of my meetings with me, with the doctor, and my boys came with me because they had a lot of questions. So basically I just went through um, everything by myself.
2: Maria, let, let me get to you. Tell, tell, mm-hmm. Take us back to that moment. Tell us when you were diagnosed and what that was like for you.
6: Well this was in uh, 2004 and uh due to the fact that my mother had died of breast cancer I was always very diligent in t- in having a mammogram yearly and also my GYN knew my case and she she also would always do this uh you know the touching of the breast, making sure she wouldn't feel anything. So I had my appointment with her. Everything mm-hmm. was fine. And then I went to my regular mammogram. And it was kind of like immediately, I just knew it. Because the, ex- the technician was so nervous. And she kept repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, you know, you better go have a sonogram immediately. Mm-hmm. And writing the sonogram, you know, the, the, the doctor that came to do it, she said, you know, this is a I it malignant? Or do you think it's just a cyst? And she said, no, this is malignant. I can tell just by looking at it. So I immediately knew. I called my husband, and he just wouldn't believe it. He thought that I was just like, you know what I mean, making this whole thing up. And I said, no, George, this is real. So from then, you know, um, it was a shock. But I, 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 I kind of knew that eventually I would get breast cancer somehow. Mm. But I thought it was going to be later in life. Mm -hmm. So by then I was uh, 47. Mm. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. And, uh, you know, they did the biopsy biopsy, and sure it was. So initially I felt like it was kind of like a death sentence due to the fact that my experience with breast cancer had been with the death of my mother. But I also had kept up all those years with medical advances. I always had breast cancer you know, in the front of my mind. And I knew that my mother's disease was different. And I knew I was diagnosed in early stages, and I knew that I had a better prognosis. So I was optimistic about whatever it was coming. And did they find that the disease had spread? No, thank God. You okay. know, when uh, once I, they did, uh, it, it hadn't gone into my um, lymph nodes.
2: Mm-hmm. So I was very happy about it. So they were able to do surgery and treatment?
6: They did. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: They did and, and then... And then uh, a lot of follow up, I imagine. Of course, You've been quite still, diligent.
6: Yeah, I still taking um, um, tamoxifen for five years, and uh, yeah, they keep me, you know, close watch.
2: Are you Are you all being closely watched, Tonya, Mel, as well?
5: I'm, I'm actually still on uh, Herceptin right now. I finish at the end of the year. Okay. And I, I'm on tamoxifen as well.
4: And Tonya? I am on something, but it's, it's a cousin of tamoxifen. Okay. But um, I didn't have to do radiation or chemo, but I did, you know, have reconstruction. I got uh, a tram flap. I didn't do the implant. I wanted a tram flap because got a tummy tuck at the same time. So uh-huh. I went for the tummy tuck. <laughs> 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 well, there
2: but, has, um, has to be some benefit, right?
4: Yes, has, has to be. So they caught it very early. I was at zero and a one.
2: Good, good. All right, well, we are, um, we're going to go to... Uh, quick break we are talking today about breast cancer in honor of breast cancer awareness month we have a great panel with us and we are going to take a quick break and come back and continue this conversation about breast cancer
0: your life your health your network voice america health and wellness
1: Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's the thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, And hope.
0: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community.
2: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tiboldo, and today, in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're talking to three breast cancer survivors, Maria Padilla, Tonya Hines, and Mel Majoras. We've just heard a little bit about what these women went through when they first received diagnosis of breast cancer. Now, let's talk a little bit about, after that initial sort of moment of shock, um, and, you know, as you've all expressed, sort of a really emotional um, moment and really just... uh, Pretty, pretty challenging time in your lives. Um, I want to talk about sort of what the next steps were. I know that all of you found support and, and found ways to cope with the diagnosis and cope with the illness. I want to talk a little bit about that. Sonia, um, you're a participant at our wellness community of Greater Boston. Yeah. Um, tell us, how did you find out about the wellness community and why did you decide to, to get support? Why did you think it was the right thing for you?
4: I found out about the wellness through um, a coworker of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I told most of my family and, and my friends, you know, what I was going through. And um, he was like, well, there's a program here that provides services for women that are living with, you know, breast cancer survivors. Yeah. Yeah. And I went down and I and I met with the lady. And um, she told me when they had the groups and the days and the time. And I started going. Felt very comfortable. Um, I got the support that I needed because at the same time I was dealing with... I'm um, having the diagnosis of the breast cancer and my boyfriend leaving at the same time mm-hmm. so it was both of a whammy for me and they have put it out to me as what do you need to deal with the, the cancer being a survivor or um, the boyfriend leaving and I decided I want to survive mm-hmm. and they gave me a lot of support around that um, One lady in my group is a 26-year breast cancer survivor. Mm. You know, I'm the youngest one in that group, and they just they showed me and taught me how to live life, and not to be ashamed of being a breast cancer survivor, and talk about it, and how to empower other women that have gotten a diagnosis or got a diagnosis that you can live with uh, being a breast cancer survivor. It's nothing to be ashamed of. But once I start going on Wednesdays and i started getting that support and my head started going up even more high and my chest started to come out even more i was like i'm going to be fine i'm a breast cancer survivor and there's nothing wrong with me i just happen to be a woman that got diagnosed with breast cancer
2: so Tonya, was part of it was really just connecting with those other women it was the it was absolutely. the the community in wellness community that that yes. gave you that inspiration
4: absolutely
2: it Absolutely. was just seeing these. Uh, I know I've had a lot of. Uh, you know, I've traveled to all of our twenty-six wellness communities, and I've had a lot of folks say to me, "Hey, there's nothing, nothing more that a, that a person with cancer wants to see than a cancer survivor." You know, that's why they love coming into centers like the wellness community where they can see other people. Like you said, you've met the woman who a twenty-six-year breast cancer survivor. So it's uh, it's it was that really that sense of community that got you through.
4: Yes, yeah, so much love in that group, and so much hugs. You know, and and we just don't just talk about breast cancer there's so much as being a woman and being a mother there's so many uh, issues that we deal with you know so it was just so much love in that room we have one man in there Mm -hmm. so you know we dote on him because he's the only guy in (laughs) here but you know it's just you know the love that we get in there and that support that you get from the other women that have gone through some of the things that I was just now dealing with, yeah. is just to empower me, even to go out to listen to jazz on Tuesday nights because they call me Baby Girl, and they go, "Baby Girl, live, live your life, Baby Girl." And I'm like, "Okay, mm. I'm going to live my life." You know, good for you. So it's, it's it's a good support group. I love it. Oh,
2: that's great. That's great. You know, Maria, you talked to us a little bit about losing your mother. Um, to breast cancer and that you were really a, a caregiver for her until she until she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did being a caregiver help you decide to look for support as a patient? Did it help you get connected to a, a, a network of people in your community?
6: Oh, yes, absolutely, yes. Um, we were living in Berkeley when my mother died, so I, we didn't have a wellness community then mm-hmm. uh, nearby, but um, I was living here in Concord. I was very lucky to find a wellness community center And um, I never expected to become such an important part of my recovery. When I was diagnosed, um, and I still do, they have the, the newly diagnosed breast cancer group, and I just couldn't believe it. It was like God sent to me because I think I knew a lot about the disease, but it was amazing how much I learned from each of the participants. And I knew then that I was not alone, and that this journey and this disease was just a little bump in my life, and this was not going to be the end of my life. So um, thank God to to, to the wellness community. I, I don't know if I would have survived my spirit like the way I did. I mean, everything came easy then. When I joined, I used to have hair, and there were other ones that didn't have hair. We were all going through the same you know, the time of chemotherapy, radiation, and doctors came, nurses came. Oh, it was just wonderful.
2: So, you know, so we, we obviously, through the medicine, through the treatment, through, you know, through battling the cancer, that's sort of the body part. And you talked about how you also have to tend to the, the psychological, emotional, the spiritual part of who you are to get through this disease.
6: No, definitely, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and that's so much. I of can't imagine facing cancer honestly without a support group. You yeah, know that you can go and talk and learn yeah. and invent, you know, and I all agree. those emotions.
2: You know, and I've heard folks say, "You know what? I have a wonderful family. Mm-hmm. I have wonderful friends, mm-hmm. but they just don't understand it the same way they, that these other people you know, understand." It's it. like
6: speaking a different language. Yeah, it's yeah. You're right. You love your your kids and your your husband. It's not the same. You know, they they don't understand. Or know, they don't know, know
5: how to talk know. around you either. Right. You
6: know, right. They think
2: they yeah. hear they
4: cancer automatically.
2: They just think oh they don't know the right thing to say. Exactly. Yeah,
4: they don't
2: know what to say. So, Mel, I know that um that you you know, you were really positive about your recovery and you used really humor as one of the ways to cope with your uh with your illness. I also know that you chose to join an online support group in our online community at the wellness community. What what uh, led you to that choice?
5: Well, that's kind of ironic, because since I am on the radio, um, <clears throat> I thought, it, you know, just being in a room full of people by myself, talking to them one-on-one, it really made me kind of nervous, and hearing other people's stories, I thought I would be more emotional than I wanted to be, because, I mean, obviously having breast cancer, you know, at first being diagnosed was just overwhelming, and I just thought, well, if I see all these people going through what they're going through, I'm just going to freak out and leave the room and just Eric so I thought well online support group at least I will be able to talk to people all over the country who you know they may or may not have breast cancer they have all different kinds of cancer in the actual support group that I'm on but they've been they've gone through uh, what I've gone through or even I don't want to say worse but I mean different kinds of cancer and you know they all know where you're coming from as far as the emotions where you know your relatives not knowing what to say or you know just sometimes you feel good and other times you're just you don't want to talk to anybody. You
1: yeah, know what I mean?
5: like my—I mean, I have days like that now, still with my boyfriend, where it's just like, "Yeah, how you feeling?" I'm like, don't talk. To but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, but you know, of course, I still love him. But the wellness community online support group, like, like Tanya and Kim said, I don't think I would be where I am today with, without that. I mean, yes, I do use humor as a way to cope, and you know, the, the online community. As uh, as they said, that we talk about other things too, and we joke around, but it is serious, and we do get through the heart of the matter and, and help help each other every day. Yeah,
2: you know, Tonya, you mentioned how you were, um, you know, once you were diagnosed, that your your um, your kids went to a couple of the appointments with you, and they kind of got involved in the process. Tell us about that for a minute.
4: Well, I have my boys involved in basically everything that I do, and they needed to know what was going on because. You know, I'm their mother, and, and without me, you know, I mean, I have family that can help them, but I felt they needed to go. So we went in, and, you know, my youngest son had about 20 questions, mm. and my, my oldest son had about five. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and the every time I go see the doctor, she talks about my boys. She goes, you have two wonderful boys, mm. and they wanted to know what was going to happen my youngest son wanted to know because i had to cancel was he going to get cancer um he wanted to know if i was going to pass away you know so there was like different questions that they asked the doctor and she was like oh my goodness these are wonderful questions wow you all are asking me in regards to your mother but she had told them that i caught the cancer um Early, and she had said to them that for some reason my cancer was just sitting there. She called it, "Your mother's cancer is real stupid," and I was like, "Well, I'm glad it's stupid, you know, because it was just <laughs> sitting there." She said, "It's not." We can moving. handle that, right? Yeah, I can handle that. She said, "I don't know what it is, she said, but your mother's cancer is just sitting there." You know, she said, "It's not moving, but we have to go in and we have to do surgery and we have to remove your mother's breast because." We, she can't, we can't save it, you know. Yeah. So I, I just felt like they just needed to be a part of that because they needed to understand, you know, because they're going to get older and have girlfriends and wives, and yeah. they need to learn how to be supportive of their girlfriends and wife and not walk out on them when they go through something as tragic as this.
2: Yeah, so you really chose to involve them in the discussion in the process.
4: Absolutely. And
2: and uh, you feel closer to them
4: as a result of that? I feel very close to them because I went... Um, into family therapy with them and um, my older son was speaking and and I was just like wow who's this kid you know and then later on I said to him I said I've always had respect for you I said but I have even more respect for you now and what I and I will say about my boys they, they went shopping they paid my bills they cooked for me. They both got promoted. My son got promoted to the 11th grade. My baby got promoted to the 6th grade. Wow. You know, so they still were able to um, function, but it was hard for them. But they took care of me, and, and I really respect them for that because, like I said, I was in a relationship, and he left. So my boys did everything. Paid wow. the bills but my, my older son got a little happy with my ATM card. So I had to like <laughs> <You> <laughs> don't too have much freedom, to give right? Exactly. <laughs> but I'm very, very proud of my boys. Oh well, that's great. Maria, we're gonna go to a break in just a
2: minute, but um can you tell us a little bit about how your family was involved in your in your cancer experience?
6: Um yes. You know, um we were all together when my mother was going through the yeah. her ordeal. And then I did ask my husband, I said, you know, George, I think if that would happen to me, I think I will remove both breasts. Will that bother you? You know, mm-hmm. by then we were like in our early 30s. And he said, no, I think I, I think it's your body and you should do what you have to do. So when it came, my turn, I had already made my mind. If it ever happens, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah. So I did it. I did it for safety reasons, not because medically I needed it.
2: And he was so supportive of that
6: he was supported, all my brothers knew, my kids knew, and of course they wanted to see you know and yeah. and they have seen me naked, uh, they know how it is, all the scars that I have, yeah, and you know it's my trophy it, it's my trophy in life, you know i you know it, it, it's 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 tough but uh but I'm proud of it, you know yeah absolutely and and so they yeah they they've been with me and um and, and they're there for me and of course uh you know my younger kid are you gonna die you know you are gonna be strong and he's always now he's 20 and he really it's always uh, you know making sure that health-wise i'm okay that i'm keeping I, an eye on you yes and he actually turned around to his behavior you know he was giving me a lot of teenage yeah. problems and immediately yeah. he turned around and um No, I love them for that. That's great. We're going to take a quick break.
2: Frankly speaking about cancer, we're talking about breast cancer today.
0: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online, or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, education and hope
0: your life your health your network this is voice america health and wellness
1: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community.
2: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo and today we have three incredible breast cancer survivors here to share their stories. Mel Majora is a wellness community online support group participant, Maria Padilla, a participant at the wellness community of San Francisco East Bay, and Tonya Hines, a participant at our wellness community in greater Boston. Maria, you came to the U.S. in the late 80s from El Salvador. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about how cancer is talked about or or maybe not talked about in El Salvador or in in, in Latin America versus uh, in the U.S.? What's your your observation there?
6: Um, Well, I have to say that... um you know, my mother died because she never had a mammogram during her lifetime, period. So uh, that means that by then, during that era, it wasn't talked about. Mammogram didn't exist. Um, but now it's, it's just different. And, and the good news is that I wa- I went to El Salvador last year during um, the month of October, and I was shocked to see that they were celebrating also um, the, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Wow. And I was invited to host a radio show, and, well, it was a TV show, and to talk about my experience. And I was just, uh, in, you know, amazed to see. So, uh, yes, people now are talking about, um, you know, breast cancer uh, prevention and the disease. Yeah. And um, they are giving mammograms. No, they're not free yet, but, uh, you know, they, they are available, and uh, there's a, a lot of push for that. And the only thing they don't have at all is support groups, unfortunately. But it's something that I'm thinking about, that maybe I could come over there and, and somehow bring it up. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I'm very pleased to see that um, it's no more a shame or a taboo to talk about cancer.
2: You're yeah. really seeing a change. Oh, Yes, and become much time, more open, big time, big time. And how about how important is um, is the church or spirituality in the discussion around cancer?
6: Uh, well, for me, it is very important, mm-hmm. and I think um, you know, <laughs> you know, usually when something big like that happens, is that um, you you go back to your God and, and uh, you pray, you pray, you leave all your words to Him, and uh, with the hope that He will take care of it and uh, you know and happen the best for you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a very Catholic country, and, uh, and yes, uh, people go back to church.
2: And, and really tap their faith at that point. Of course. Yeah, yeah? yeah. Yes. Well, Mel, I know that you work in uh, in radio, and um, I'd love to hear from you. You know, you're probably more a little more acutely aware of some of uh, how breast cancer is kind of discussed and covered in the media. I'd love to hear your your thoughts and observations on on, on what you've seen about breast cancer in the media.
5: Well, it's kind of funny because I was diagnosed uh, in September, and my birthday is in October. So I actually had my surgery two days after my birthday. But you know. Last year, everything I saw was pink ribbon, and I was just like, you know, if I see that pink ribbon one more time, I think my head's going to explode. <laughs> um, you know, everything was like cancer this and cancer that, and I was just like, I can't get away from it, blah, 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 But this year, um, you know, there is a lot of things I see on TV. A lot of the cable networks have special shows dedicated to uh, ca- breast cancer awareness. They have uh, even even just regular TV shows, like on. I would say, I think, like the uh, cable networks for women, I think Lifetime or Oxygen or whatever they are, they they have special movies dedicated to uh, cancer awareness and uh, cancer survivors, Yeah. stories like that, and uh, my own story when I did it on the radio, like I said, the whole online thing was good for me. It actually took me about six months to actually talk about it on the air, because it was just so new to me, and I didn't know anyone who had cancer, didn't know anything about it, so I had to, you know, learn everything from, you know, help get... Help to get support from the online support groups and also learn about it myself, and then I felt comfortable enough to talk about it, and I have heard that people in the community have listened to me, and they've, I don't know, I don't want to say been inspired, but they, you know, at least they know, well, she's going through it, she sounds fine on the air, you know, I can do it too.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, Mel, one thing I've heard some people say is that sometimes they feel like the media is almost too positive about breast cancer, that there's, we're, you know, we're still losing women to breast cancer and that right. there are women who are battling metastatic disease and, um, you know, late stage disease and that the messaging in October and it's all just very, very positive and it's all about stories of survival and stories of, you know, and, and um, are we allowing room for the conversation for these women who are maybe not surviving the disease?
5: Well, I think we should allow stories like that. I mean, when, when I did my little uh, bit on our show, I mean, I told everybody about, what what was going on, and I blog about it, too. It's like, okay, well, I've, you know, I don't, I had stage one, uh, grade three, so mine is is pretty aggressive, but it didn't spread. Mm-hmm. But there's still that chance that, you know, it's a, it's uh, aggressive, and, you know, the, there is stories of survival, but, you know, it could always come back. And I, I do think you're right. I do think we need to hear from the people who, you know, may necessarily not make it, but still have a positive outlook on life.
2: Right, right. Right. Um. Uh Tonya, I know that you work at the at the AIDS Action Committee in Massachusetts and that, that the focus there is on the prevention uh, improving lives of people infected with HIV and AIDS. So being in sort of the healthcare world when you were diagnosed um did working at a health organization impact how you c- coped with cancer? Do you think it influenced you or made you look at the disease differently?
4: No to be honest with you cuz I've been living with the virus for 12 years. Mhm. So, um, living with the virus myself and then getting diagnosed with um, breast cancer yeah. a year now, I al- had already, um, what's the word for it? I had already been down this road of getting a diagnosis.
2: Uh-huh.
4: Um, I got diagnosed when I was pregnant. Mm. And um, wow. six days before I had my son, I found out I was living with the virus. Wow. And my son also has the virus. Mm. So, getting the diagnosis of breast cancer, it it was... Uh, a whammy for me because I was like, here I go again. Yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm a yes, person, you know, there, God right? what No more. But, you know, I've done so much in in my life, you know, living with the virus. I've done a film. I've done a video. I've been to Africa. Wow. You know, so um, I'm doing different things now in the breast cancer community. I've did a poster. I'm speaking. I've done the walks. So um, just by getting this diagnosed. I'm helping other women because they see how I'm living with it, and they see how I'm going on with my life, that I'm not letting it get me down. I'm not letting it get me depressed. I was depressed for a little while, and and with everything that I went through, I was supposed to go through that. So right now, you know, I'm up and I'm running, and, you know, I got my little tummy tuck, and I lost 30 pounds, and (laughs) you can't tell me nothing. (laughs) You're looking good. Yes. So I'm just I'm living my life but I'm speaking to women to let them know that it can happen and you know you need to advocate for yourself and you need to you know pay attention to your body and you know and what I say to the ladies I just did an article in in the banner it's called the Boston Banner. I just did an article in that and I share with the ladies I didn't have a lump. So that yeah. is that's my message to put out there to the ladies, you know, because African-American women are dying. We're, we're dying at a faster rate than any other culture because, you know, we're so into that believing we're supposed to have a lump. Right. And I had a lot of calcium in my breast. And I thought calcium, oh, that's good. The doctor said, oh, no, 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 that's not good. Not in your breast.
2: So why do you so, think that,
4: that 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 women that
2: African American women oftentimes think that you have to have a lump? Is that what they're hearing in the community, or is that? Oh, what
4: that's that's what we've been told, and uh-huh. that's, that's what's been told to feel for a lump. You know, when you do that breast exam, you know, right. that self breast exam. If you feel a lump, then you need to, you know, go to your doctor and talk to your doctor about feeling a lump. Right. And you know, and like I tell the ladies, I didn't have a lump. Right. And they're like, you didn't? I'm like, no. I didn't have a lump, but I lost my right breath.
2: Well, you know, all three of you were so young when you were diagnosed. I mean, the greatest risk factor for cancer is age. Yep. You know, and the three of you were really, I mean, you know, Mel, you were diagnosed before a woman's even told to get a mammogram.
5: Exactly, and I think women should get mammograms earlier. Absolutely. I
2: believe that, too. Yeah, but unfortunately, a lot of times, the insurance won't pay for it. Right. Yeah. You know, if it's not the approved guidelines, oftentimes Hmm. the insurance won't pay for it.
6: Like but 40. you know, mammogram saves lives. Yeah, period. Yeah. You know, yeah. In my case, just like in Kim, I, n- I never had even a doctor didn't feel yeah. it. So, you know, mammogram is for an early stage. You
2: know. Yeah. So it's an effective tool. So part of what we need to do is really get education out there about prevention, about screening, yes, exactly. about being educated. Tony, you're talking Absolutely. about women really getting empowered, taking control of their own lives,
4: taking they ha- they control of their own
0: health. We have
4: to. We can't rely on other people we can't be afraid to ask questions we can't be afraid to stand up for ourselves because you know you know we're mothers we're daughters we're sisters we're you know we're, we're, we're people that you know are trying to live a, a day-to-day life so we need to we need to advocate for ourselves it's, it's a definite one.
2: so it's really about it's getting educated it's about getting the right information it's about being empowered and advocating for yourself and, if, you know, if
5: you're at the doctor's office, bring someone with you because you might be just too in shock to know what's going on. Make you know. You sit there and take notes or record the, you know, the, the, the conversation. The conversation. Yeah.
2: Well, that's an, yeah. such an important point because you've all said sort of like, okay, wait a minute, you know, I got this news, I was slammed. I didn't even, I couldn't even hear what was said beyond, you know, you have mm-hmm. cancer. And so to have somebody else in there for you, to have an advocate, somebody who's taking notes, helping you ask questions, helping you get focused and get centered... Uh, is a, I think it's a critical piece of advice. When we come back, I'm going to ask all of you for, for a little more advice on uh, uh, what we want to tell these women who are listening about uh, breast cancer. Uh, we're frankly speaking about cancer today. We're talking about breast cancer. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we will be right back after the break.
0: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Holistic
1: Health and Well-Being covers many facets, including stress, time management, weight loss, cardiovascular training, and aging. And that's just to name a few. Your Life Without Limits will help to sort it all out for you. Join host Joe Sardi and the top minds in holistic health and well-being for an educational and entertaining hour. Listen for Your Life Without Limits. Heard every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network work. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions. How to get comfortable with new physical realities. How to reassure worried family members or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's the thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, And hope.
0: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community.
2: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We've been having a very informative discussion with our three guests, Mel Majoros, Tonya Hines, and Maria Padilla. Uh, I think you've all given our audience a great sense of the kinds of uh, support available to women who've had breast cancer and really some of the uh, steps that you took to be educated, to be empowered, to really take care of your own uh, health and well-being. Again, for our listeners today, I'd love to turn to each of you and ask you for uh, what advice would you give them when they 're diagnosed with cancer when they 're battling this disease um, what would you what would you tell the women who are listening to our show today? Mel, let me start with you
5: well, um, as you said before i have a I have a good sense of humor, so I would say keep your sense of humor, keep positive about it. There have been people who uh, come into the radio station who haven 't seen me they 're like, "Wow." This is all during when you lose weight during chemo. They're like, "Wow, you look great. What, you know, are you exercising a lot?" I said, "No, that can't. I have cancer and it's the best diet I've ever had." You know, <laughs> and they're like, "What?" You know, <laughs> most of them know my sense of humor, so they're like, "Oh, okay. But that's one thing I would say is like keep, you know, a positive attitude goes a long way. It goes along with the chemotherapy and the radiation. I mean, yes, it's all very scary, but I think if you have a sense of humor about things, funny things will always happen. Just to make you smile. For example, uh, when I was getting my port put in, yeah, the surgery was supposed to be like a half hour. Well, I was waiting there for like six hours, and I finally saw my surgeon, and he was. And I said, "Hey, what'd you do? Forget about me?" And he said, "No, I had an emergency. Blah blah blah. You're next. You're next on the list." And I, he said, well, "You must be really hungry." I said, "Yeah, you owe me a pizza." And then after surgery, there was a uh, pizza from one of the local pizza parlors <laughs> waiting for me. You know, just a little joke with the surgeon. You know, as as I'm being wheeled into the ER, the uh, the uh, OR rather, the OR nurse is like, "Okay, well, you know, Dr. Brown will be in just a minute. He's ordering your pizza for you." I'm thinking, "Haha, I'm going under. You know, anesthesia. What a joke. You know." But that, I mean, that kind of thing. Just and he little, really did order you a pizza. He did. He did. I didn't. He did at the hospital though. Cause, yeah. But yeah, he did order me a pizza. And, oh, I uh, love it. My boyfriend ate it at night. So that's what I would say. I mean, keep your sense of humor. Uh, have faith in God. I actually had uh, my. Uh, Father blessed me before my surgery because I'd never had surgeries before. Mm -hmm. Never, I mean, I was never really sick. I was actually in the best physical shape of my life before all this, and I think that really
2: helped me too. Are you back on the ice?
5: Um, I still have the port put in, so I'm not back playing hockey yet.
2: But soon. Uh,
5: I the doctor said I can have my port out right after my irsceptin is done. So in January I'll be knocking on the doctor's
2: door. Is that important to you to get back to hockey?
5: It is important to me because it's, it's kind of like getting back to what I was doing beforehand and exercising a lot. I mean, I've just had, just being a cancer patient makes you really tired. All the drugs make you fatigued. So just being able to work out again is, is really important to me because that's what I was doing beforehand. So it,
2: it'll it's, feel a little bit like normal.
5: Exactly. It'll we'll get back yeah. to normal.
2: Maria, what about you? What, what advice would you give to our listeners today?
6: Well, I will tell them that breast cancer is not a that center. Mm-hmm. It won't be easy, but you will come up as a better and stronger person. I would also tell them about support groups, how essential it is to learn how to cope with this awful disease and for the recovery of your own body and your own spirit. And I will lastly tell them that it's like learning a new language, and you yeah. have to learn as much as you can and as fast as you can so that you can be your own advocate. You, did, did cancer make you look at your life in a different way? Yeah, of course. You know, I feel like I live every day as the first day of my new life, you know. Um, I actually have been working uh, for 25 years for this company, and I just recently retired because, Mm. you know, life is more important than just trying to uh, accumulate wealth, you know. so. Um, now we're going to be doing all those things that you dream of doing that you never do, you know. So we're going to be doing a lot of traveling and, mm-hmm. you know, volunteering, doing all those stuff. Yes, definitely it changes your life.
2: And you, yeah. and, uh, you said you're doing some, uh, starting to think about some more sort of education and outreach in yes. El Salvador. Yes,
6: that's what I want to do,
2: yes. Wonderful, that's yes. wonderful. Yes. Tonya, what about you? What, what advice would you give to our listeners today?
6: well i I would agree with um
4: Maria and Belle in spirituality, and also I would agree in having some laughter mm. you know um, and cancer is not a death sentence, yes. you know, a death threat you know it's it's a part of a woman's journey that some women go through you know um when you get a diagnosis with breast cancer and you go through the surgery and the chemo, you don't come back same person, you come back a different person. You know, I do different things now, you know, um, I have more fun now. I laugh much more now than I've done before. But just, you know, to take care of themselves, to love themselves and don't mis disregard anything on their body parts. If there's something that doesn't look right or doesn't feel right, always talk about it. Get it checked out. You know, pay attention to it. Because it doesn't have a neon sign They have cancer is right here, you know. So just, you know, enjoy life, you know, and don't let the little things bother you.
2: Yeah, just see the big picture. Yeah. And enjoy every minute, Yeah. Yeah, Although it would be nice, nice if there wasn't the outside that would be a lot easier. <laughs> but really? <laughs> what you're saying, yeah, Tonya, is you really have to you have to know your own body. You have to listen you to yourself. To. And I'd sometimes you'll go, especially as young women, you'll go to the doctor and say, "Look, I think something's not right." And they'll maybe sometimes brush you off because of your age, you know, because they don't think you're of the age of someone who would have cancer. Um, you have, but
4: you have you and get a second opinion to, if you're concerned. You know, stand up for yourself and say, "No, yeah. I don't. This is not right." Yeah. No. Um, I have a funny feeling about this. And if that person doesn't listen, go to no somebody else. go to someone else and get a second opinion. You know, because, you know, you have to, you know, we want to live, and we want to live to see our kids grow up and grandbabies, you know. So we want to be around for a very long time, so we have to take care of ourselves.
2: Listen, I want to tell our audience about some of the great resources that are out there for women with breast cancer. There are so many. Um, I'm going to highlight a few. Um, at the wellness community, of course, we have a... Uh, uh, Support groups, educational programs. We have face-to-face support groups, online support groups for uh, for women, women with breast cancer, and of course for people with all cancers. Uh, we also have a wonderful booklet and a corresponding workshop called Frankly Speaking About Advanced Breast Cancer, uh, which offers information on new treatment options, side effect management, uh, emotional support, practical needs, particularly for a woman who's been diagnosed with advanced breast cancer. Uh, you can order a free copy um, at www.thewellness.com org, where or you can call 888-793-WELL, W-E-L-L. I also want to mention, if folks go to our website. So many of the resources I'm going to mention are listed on our website. Uh, again, that's www.TheWellnessCommunity.org. Um, we work with a great group called Living Beyond Breast Cancer. They're a nonprofit group dedicated to empowering women affected by breast cancer um, to live with a a great quality of life. For information on living beyond breast cancer, you can visit www.lbbc.org or you can call their helpline at 888-753-5222. For women with advanced breast cancer, there's also a group called the Metastatic Breast Cancer Network. They're a national independent advocacy group of and for individuals with metastatic breast cancer. Their website is www.mbcnetwork, Metastatic Breast Cancer, MBC Network, or 888-500-0370. I have a couple more uh, I want to mention just because, again, there so many great organizations out there, and these are all partners of the wellness community. There's the Breast Cancer Network of Strength, uh, formerly known as the YME National Breast Cancer Organization. You can learn about them at www.networkofstrength.org or call 1-800-221-2141. There's another group called the Sisters Network. They're a national African-American breast cancer survivorship organization. Uh, They are committed to saving lives and increasing local and national attention to the devastating impact that breast cancer has in the African-American community. You can visit their website at www.sistersnetworkinc.org. Uh, 866-781-1808. And then, of course, we have the group Nueva Vida, which is an organization uh, dedicated to informing, supporting, and empowering Latinas who are living with cancer. Um, they are at www.nueva, which is N-U-E-V-A, and then it's dash vida, V-I-D-A, .org. They're, uh, they're in Washington, uh, numbers two o two. Two two three nine one zero zero. Again, I know I've given a lot of a uh, lot of information out here. Um, if you weren't able to keep track or write down the numbers, just go to our website at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. Again, I want to thank our wonderful panelists today for a great show. Until next time, be well,
4: do well, live well.